and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our website skydemily.com. And alexlacy.com as well as our dedicated website ladieswholondon.com for more information about the show and the show notes and all of that kind of stuff. You were being very uh, sort of elegant there. <laughs> very softly spoken. I'm feeling very chilled this evening, I have to say. How much have you been drinking? Only two bottles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't had anything tonight. But, oh, my God, actually, I I drank a lot at the weekend just gone. Did you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> really, really paid for it on Sunday. My goodness oh, me. No. Uh, anyway, how are you? <laughs> very well, thank you. I am very well indeed. Yeah, chugging along. Things are, oh my goodness. We, I mean, London is so back. It's almost too busy. It's crazy. I am, my diary is chock-a-block. Um, it's just, we haven't, it's crazy, isn't it? It's The time is just skittering away. It's unbelievable. It's just been such a quick flip and change where, you know, there was so many questions about life getting back to normal and then suddenly there's just so many people again and people are wanting to be guided which is just so fantastic it's lovely and what's funny is is as guides so there's um uh, emily will know this but there's a kind of a bit of a joke in the guiding community where especially back in 2019 when things were i mean bonkers busy right it was Mm. it was unbelievably busy around london that there was a joke that there was kind of like queue watch mm. so you'd go people there'd be guides on our facebook group that we've got who would be going oh here's a queue and took a photo of like the longest queue they could find because it was so busy and the queues are back this they week back. because i mean it's easter break so easter break is always pretty busy mm. um and i know that some places are still you know they're still a bit short staffed and they're still not quite the capacity that they used to be but there are queues everywhere yeah. i saw people queuing for a photo in a red phone box the other day. I saw that. Yeah, on Parliament Square. Yeah, there was a queue. I've never seen a queue along. I mean, because there's four post box uh, telephone boxes really close together, and they've all got a great view of Big Ben. Yeah, and there's oh, it was yeah, so people funny. queuing. <laughs> wow, so funny. So yeah. yeah, London's back, baby. Yeah, yeah. So we're now going to be very tired until October, aren't we? Yes. That's how we roll as guides. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Carmen goes into to nursery scene, which is um, just crazy. It just reminds me how quick this year has gone. She's obviously nearly one. So, yeah, mental. mental and then you mental. can go out and do some more guiding. I know. So get your bookings <laughs> in now, team. <laughs> Please. Oh. And I do have a little shout out to make this week. Oh. Uh, because I this week I had a lovely tour with a lady called Karen uh, Monroy and her daughter Alyssa and they found me bizarrely through TikTok uh, apologies I am on TikTok um, and they found me through there and they came on a tour and they listened to the podcast and I promised them that I would say a little hello during the podcast so hi Karen hi Alyssa thank you so much for spending a day we did Windsor Castle and Hampton Court Palace it was so much fun and the weather was lovely so it was really really nice and thank you so much for spending a day with me on your trip to London and I know that they they did a variety of tours with other guides as well 
uh, Katie Wignall, who I know listens. Hi, Katie, too. Um, and a variety of other people. So um, thank you so much for coming and touring with us. Yay. Nice. Right, anyway. Right. Well, so, let's crack on. So we have things to get on with this week, don't we? Because to get on with. we have the uh, winners of the competition. Kilo of chocolate. Now, um, Emily's going to announce our winner. Who is it, Emily? Well, get ready for this. It's Alyssa Strunk. Come on down. Woo, well done, Alyssa. All the chocolate for you. Um, so, um, as you know, or you might know from our previous competition, we basically just uh, just run the wheel, if you like, and yeah, a we, random person is picked. It, we, we, did a, we did a virtual wheel because we put them all into a computer yeah, wheel, wheel, didn't we? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't write all the names on our wheel. No. Um, so Alyssa Strunk, and I went back in to see what Alyssa Strunk had said in terms of her favourite Easter moment, and it's super sweet. So she said, having a photo as a three-year-old at an Easter egg hunt where I met my best childhood friend. Oh, that's too adorable. <laughs> that is so adorable. I love it. So um, Alyssa, we will be in touch. We'll be getting your address and sending you a 1KG Lint Bunny. And if you, have a, if you are not Alyssa Strunk and you have not just one... Don't panic because <gasps> Stephanie from Lint, the wonderful Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie, if you're listening, Hi, has said she will give two bunnies away. So there is another what? option. So I am now going to announce the second winner from our wheel. That would have been hilarious if, if the listener had won two. Yeah. <laughs> the second person to win is Ben Damarel. Oh, so well done. Congratulations, ben. ben. You've won a kilo of chocolate. Woo! Fantastic. And his um his Easter memory was an Easter bonnet parade uh, at primary school. And he says, I love this bit. I don't think I told my mum about it until the night before. Oh. <laughs> Somebody wasn't their favourite child that day. So well done, Ben. You have won yourself a kilo of chocolate. Well done, Easter. Ben. Well done. Melissa. Oh, God. Congratulations. And I'd, I'd like to eat it all over again. Have you have you finished yours? I told you, yeah. I finished mine. Oh, you did, didn't you? Mine yeah, is I've only got the bell left. You can come around to mine. There's still plenty. I I left mine in in um, the hottest part of my house, and oh. it didn't melt so much as I think obviously maybe a bit of it melted and the ears sort of fell in. So what I have now is the like decapitated corpse oh. of a chocolate bunny with all of the head and the ears like broken up in bits inside it. And every time oh. I sort of go past it, I just like break a little bit off and have a little snack. <gasps> I thought it was for your nephews. Well, it was going to be, but then it collapsed in the heat. But oh. it will still be for my nephews if there's any remaining in about if two weeks. Any time. Left of this yeah. chocolate corpse. Sorry, kids. Might not happen. Yeah. Might not happen. But there we go. Well, so well, well done, everyone. Thank you so much from Stephanie. Thank you for entering. Uh, Stephanie from Lint as well, who uh, yeah. gave us these fantastic prizes. And it's just very simply because she is a listener to the podcast and thought, yeah. hey, I know who likes chocolate, and that's Emily. <laughs> really do so thank you so much so hopefully we'll have other competitions in the future um you know watch this space but let's head on into the podcast so podcast pedestal from last Mm. week what were the options em so uh if i remember i went for the film the way we live which was all about plymouth after the bombing of world war ii and what they were going to do to plymouth and how they were going to help the people and it was such a success that it really changed Plymouth for the better. So that's what I went for. What did you go for? Well, I went for the start of London Terminus, which you described mm. so beautifully. And the oh. man kind of putting the the, the white um, flower in his um, buttonhole and heading out to meet his love. And then they go to the cinema to see. And I watched it this week. 
Um, and I thought it was lovely. It was really, really lovely. Mm, very sweet. Um, and I was very happy with the choice that I made, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Still happy? Still very happy. Oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, you think it's gone my way? What's the what's the scores on the doors, George Doors? Scores on the doors. Um, bear with me, bear with me. I think the scores on the doors. I think are you're very winning, much, aren't you? Uh, I'm definitely <laughs> winning. Like, there's no uh, no ifs or buts there. Um, the good thing about it is that you're such a gracious winner. <laughs> I really am, and people say this all the time. That's a lie. Oh, just... <laughs> uh, right, hang on. She's, she's, bear with me. Listen, she's just, just looking things up. This is fantastic. <laughs> podcast where a woman okay, looks things so up on her it's phone. Eight five to me. Are you kidding? Wait, did you win it last week or did I win it last week? Uh, I don't think I've won one for a while now. No, yeah. I think Very it's depressed eight, about this it's situation. Eight five to me. And I haven't won it this week either. <gasps> it's gone your way. Five to me. I am really not happy. I am going to throw my toys out of the pram if this continues. This is just I it was 63% to, to 37. Wow. So you got about two thirds wow. of the vote. Gosh, I mean, whatever. What I say? Thank you so much, everybody, for voting my way yet again. <laughs> yeah, thanks, everyone. But come on, Alex, you can claw it back. You can <laughs> claw can it back. Claw it back. Well, this week I am probably going to be doing some physical clawing because we are oh. talking about body snatching. Yes, I was thinking actually, what are we talking about this we, week? It landed in Smithfield, forgot. didn't it? Is that where we linked it to? Smithfield. Yes. Get the old spade and shovel out. Oh, I know. Mm. So, um, how much do you know about body snatching, Em? I know a little bit. Um, I know the reason why people would body snatch, but I'm quite interested to find out how they would do it. Okay, all right. So it's something that, okay, you're, you are a goth guide, as mm. we know. Mm. Not that we've talked about that lately, but you are a lover of all things gory. Yes. Um, and while I am much less of a gore lover, I still enjoy it from time to time. And my, I do have a walk. I say that I do have a walk that is blood and guts in Smithfield and Clerkenwell, which covers this area. So I, I kind of love this bit because it's really sort of. I guess it's the kind of thing that you can't imagine ever happening now because it's really quite gruesome. So. Yes, they are. People are digging up bodies for a variety of reasons, but one particular main reason. So in we are going to go back to the 1700s. Now, the majority of this body snatching is happening in the Victorian era. So much seems to go on in the Victorian era that we, we've chatted about. I guess it's there's a lot more records of stuff, but, you know, they do seem to be quite unusual Victorians, I guess. They do all sorts of weird Very stuff. Very experimental, quite yeah. dark. Yes, mm. It's, I think it's your era, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. God, if I could go back to a particular time, that would be the time. I'd, I'd be Georgian, I think. I'd go back to the Georgian era. Oh, would you? Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd quite like to go there for at least a day. For but yeah, I'd like to live in the Well, we'll mix it up era. when we get our hands on the DeLorean. We'll mix it up. Yes, exactly. So, um, in 1752, there was an act that was passed by Parliament called the Murder Act. Uh, and what this meant is that executed uh, murderers, their corpses were then allowed to be used for study and teaching. So essentially, this is what bodies are used for. We have doctors and surgeons who are being uh, taught in, in schools. And in fact, a doctor, well, a surgeon was, was less high than a doctor, as we found out about on when we talked about the old operating theatre, um, the reason they're called Mr. rather than doctor. And basically, you know, you have medicine that is, for many, many centuries, has been quite kind of 
gruesome and a little or very rudimentary and it's been lots of bloodletting and and weird potions and all sorts of crazy stuff happening and in the sort of 1700s and into the 1800s the teaching of medicine surgery anything medical advances quite significantly quite quickly as well and more and more medical schools are popping up now you didn't actually have to have a license in order to be able to uh, open a school allowed that sort of taught surgery if you like which is quite bizarre um but by the late 18th century we one thing that they don't have is a huge amount of corpses uh, that are legally available for dissection so this this law that's been passed in 1752 essentially says if someone is a murderer then their body uh can't isn't going to be returned to their family or buried or anything like that what they're going to do is they are going to um it's going to be given to the surgeons to the doctors and they are then going to use it now teaching of medicine had changed a little bit slightly prior to this act 1740 um, there was a particular method of instruction that was called the paris method and this became standard practice this became hands-on dissection instead of just watching the teacher at the front now we spoke about the old operating theater and we did say this was not an anatomy surgery it was a, a surgery with living patients but it's that same kind of thing that that um what we're going to call it uh sort of almost bandstand style with the surgeon at the front who would be dissecting the corpses and everyone looking on and that's how you would learn now in 1740 this new method comes in which means that oh crazy though it might sound in order to know what you're doing you actually have to get your hands on one of these corpses you have to have your own leg that you're busy hacking up or yeah, get your hands dirty absolutely which realistically is what you need to do otherwise absolutely looking at it from a distance is not is no good and up until then there'd been approximately 100 or so hangings a year which would suffice for teaching and when this law comes in in 1752 that takes it down to only the murderers so that number comes down quite significantly just thinking like you know if you were the surgeon and you suddenly read that there'd been a murder close by mm. a lot of people would you know think oh god that's terrible i don't really want to go out on the streets but they would be like yes I get another one in. coming to me <laughs> absolutely absolutely mm. i mean it's probably not quite as quick as well i don't know court cases seem to be a bit more rudimentary back then but anyway um but so essentially what you have are the number of corpses you can use dropping and the number of corpses that are needed massively going up so there is a big supply and demand thing happening here mm, yeah. and nobody one thing you could do what's legal to do was to donate your body to science and of course now people do that they donate their bodies to science and people can then you know they can then use them for learning and all that kind of thing but nobody wanted to do that because they were all so freaked out by the idea of some kind of weird Halloween style resurgence. Or they thought that the doctors and the and the students would be sort of taking body parts off and reattaching them in weird places. And what? suddenly at Halloween that, you know, these that their body is gonna resurrect and they're gonna have, you know, like a hand in the middle of their forehead or <gasps> three legs or whatever. And nobody wanted this. They thought, oh, it's gonna be, you know zombie-like and and i, I don't I want that what to happen made them think that you know maybe there was I mean, just this knows? one kind of like 
I don't know, post or news article that kind of went around and... Oh, probably. It's scaremongering tactics, yeah, tactics isn't yeah. it? And, you know, the same way that anybody really likes getting freaked out by Halloween-y kind of things. Yeah. And, and so, you know, this is this is what happens. And so nobody wants to donate it. They're really freaked out about this. Mm. So, realistically, there is only one logical, if illegal, thing that is going to happen. And that is sourcing bodies for the doctor's to practice on mm. now this is where you get the thing that is known as either body snatching or sometimes as uh, the people are referred to as resurrectionists or mm. burkers and we're going to come back to why they're called burkers and gangs of these resurrectionists roamed london and would make a pretty decent living okay, uh digging up newly buried bodies at night and and then finding a buyer for them taking them to places where the doctors would come and they would check them over and see what the freshest ones were and this is a thing that you know a lot of people are doing not just these gangs but also sometimes some of the students you can get in a bit of extra coin as well by by doing that um now one of the things is that in order so if you think about the kind of things that people are being executed for it's not actually body snatching. This is not, it is illegal, but it's not going to be a capital punishment. It is going to be a fine, maybe some imprisonment, but realistically, you are going to earn a pretty heavy living. So it was worth the risk of going out there and trying to, you know, find bodies that people might want to buy. I think as well, if you were the priest that looked after a particular cemetery or even the government, maybe would they think, okay, I know this body snatching thing is not good, but if that grave suddenly becomes available, then that's (laughs) an extra bit of space for a new burial. I mean, I'm not sure they worry too much about that because we later come to the 1800s where body stacking is a thing and it becomes, you know, we talked about the necropolis, didn't we? Yes, and, yeah, And true. all of that. So they haven't quite got to that stage. They're just stacking everybody. They don't really care. Yeah. Uh, but you do have people who, who sort of, um, well, try and stop it, really. And one of the people, or groups of people who are trying to stop it are um, relatives. So when mm, body snatching is, is quite rife in the 1800s, often you'd have families of people who had been recently buried they would go and, and sit by the graves and they would be there for days on end and sort of have these almost like vigils, really, yeah. at the gravesides to deter the body snatchers. Because let's face it, the body is only going to be fresh enough to be useful for a certain period of time. Mm. So get them past that period and then the body snatchers... How long do you think that period is? Them. I mean, how long have we got, you know, Grandma well, Jean waiting <laughs> at the grave? <laughs> well, gra- Grandma Jean's in the past. grave, that's the problem. Um <laughs> Well, this is the thing, and it's going to depend slightly on the time of the year, because believe it or not, there was a season for body snatching. Of course, there was absolutely because everyone wearing. I mean, right? It's, it's 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 the season, gang. It's the season, um, because the summer months. Realistically, there was no refrigeration of bodies. Okay, so um, oh, right. you're not going to be, cool. be. There's no refrigerated morgues, mm. um, so bodies are going to sorry to be grim but decompose a lot quicker then and also once they're in the ground again it's warmer whatever so the grave robbing season was kind of august through to april i know i know so april to august you you, no, you didn't really do it because that was those were the warmer months and and it wasn't it wasn't worth it wow do you think at that point you know like lots of spades and different things (laughs) that you would use to b and q had a run on exactly yeah yeah, b and q (laughs) and leylands were like absolutely 
Right. Like, oh, it's the season, gang. The, uh, the, the, the shovels are gone again. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I suspect yeah. they probably weren't quite so obvious about it. But yeah. now there's quite an interesting thing. So stealing a body um, is a misdemeanor. So it's not realistically a kind of a big criminal offence. You get a bit of a fine, possibly a, uh, a prison sentence, but, you know, it's the lower end, bizarrely. But they were stealing something else was a much bigger offence. And that thing was a burial shroud. Oh. So this is what you find. It's really bizarre. Is that the body, that's fine. But the cloth it's wrapped in, nah. You can't, that, that's going to really get you into some serious trouble. Oh. So they would bring the bodies naked. Because... And leave the shroud. So what was it about the shroud that was so valuable? Was it the particular material I mean, I guess it's as religious connotations, isn't there? Yeah. Um, So it's okay to take the whole body and open it up and, you know, cut off a leg, but leave that shroud. Bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, And the way that you do it... Now, firstly, uh, there, there was a... There was a couple of gangs who did it. One of the most notorious was a gang called the Borough Gang. So they're based around Borough, fairly obviously. Mm. Mm. Um, And they were very, very prolific. And they actually were on record as saying poor people were easier to dig up because rich people were buried too deeply. So the poor people are going into overcrowded graveyards. Yeah, that's it. And they're much more... Yeah, you're much closer to the surface, whereas the rich people, they go down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and you paid a little bit more to the priest or to the church to have people mm. dig a little bit lower to put the body. Exactly, to the grave, yeah, mm. to the grave mm. diggers. And talking of grave diggers, sometimes those grave diggers were in league with these resurrectionists. Some even did both. Some had a foot in both camps because let's face it, they know where the freshest bodies are. Mm. They know uh, when they went in, what state they were in, that kind of thing. So they'd just be hanging around each funeral, just checking it out, like, you know. Well, I mean, not all of them, let's say not all of them, but there were some who who recognised that this could be quite a lucrative thing. So Mm. they were either informing the grave diggers or the the grave robbers where they were, or sometimes they were part of the gangs as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on here. Gosh. Now... One of the places that was a very rich hunting ground was Crossbones Graveyard, which um, we haven't discussed, I don't think, on the pod yet. But it was a place that was a burial ground for... It was unconsecrated ground. So it was for... I mean, it's referred to as the outcast dead. So um, sex workers, nonconformists, children who died, basically people who didn't have anybody to kind of vouch for them or who had been outcast from society were buried there. And of course, they're buried cheaply. And so that was a very, very big hunting ground for um, for these grave diggers or grave robbers, rather. And the way they'd do it is you would figure out where the head end of the grave is and you dig down at the head end of the coffin. You're going to get to the lid of the coffin and you're going to pull it up. Now, because the rest of the coffin is covered in soil, it's going to snap. So the lid's will break off um then what you're going to do is take a rope and put it underneath the arms of the corpse mm-hmm. and lift the body through that hole that you've dug you you're going to try and do as little digging as you can because that's the really hard work and you haven't got the time to dig the entire thing so down at the head break the coffin back and then hoik them out under the arms so make it as easy as you possibly can wow so not yeah. around the head presumably because the head's quite fragile Yes, and I guess the head's going to be quite useful. So you're just going to hoik it, you know, put a, a 
a rope sort of under one arm, round the back, and then under the other arm. So it's almost like a loop oh, that you're just going to pull up because you don't want to damage yeah. these bodies. You know, they, yeah, they're yeah, useful. Yeah. They're um, you're going to get quite a bit bit of cash for them if you can. Um, there's one chap. In fact, he he wrote a, a book called Diary of a Resurrectionist, where he basically gave away all his details. Oh. A guy called Joseph Naples, who was working as part of the Borough Gang. And he was providing bodies to, well, a variety of, of hospitals, guys, St. Thomas's, uh, in the early 1800s. And he gave us an idea of what you could uh, earn. He said that um, one particular day, there was a few of them working together and each man got 23 pounds, six shillings and nine pence. And that was for two large corpses, two small and three fetuses. So that is equivalent to over 850 pounds today. That's for one night's work. Sorry, did you say three fetuses? Yes, I mean, he probably, he probably means infants, small, yeah, babies. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, oh I know. Oh, my God. So he's making, each of them are making 850 quids in that one night. And there is one diary entry where he says in one night they got 13 bodies. 13 So bodies? these guys are, they are coining it. They are quick. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow, and you need to be quick because you yeah. know they're getting some wedge coming. out of this. They yeah, really yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so my it's gosh. a it's a really really lucrative business, and there's also a chap who um, some people might have heard of a guy uh, a poet called John Keats, very famous poet. Yeah. Um, there is some uh, thinking that he might have been part of the uh, the Borough Gang. Um, he was uh, a surgeon and an apprentice apothecary um, in Guy's Hospital. Mm -hmm. And he became a dresser, so a bit like a junior doctor today. And some of his writings, now there's no proof that he was part of the gang, but there are some of his writings that show that he at least was aware of it, even if he wasn't part of it. Um, there was one in particular from a, a work that he is called Decameron. Uh, and I'm just going to read it to you because it gives you a little bit of a, um, a sense of it. Mm. Who hath not loitered in a green churchyard and let his spirit like a demon mole walk through the clayey soil and gravel hard to see skull, coffined bones and funeral stole. <gasps> he loves it. He loves it. He <laughs> loves it. He loves oh it. Oh my God. You can imagine him just like... I don't know, rubbing his fingertips together. Just... Yeah. I know. And there's another piece, another work that he's got called Ode to a Nightingale. And in that, there is a phrase that says, um, that he says he is half in love with easeful death. So he's obviously a little bit, he's a bit goth guide about the whole thing, frankly. Wow. Well, I, I kind of understand it because if you are working from the side, you know, if he was at, at Guy's Hospital, for instance, mm. he he knew that you, you needed bodies and it yeah. wasn't like you were taking these bodies and, you know, just selling them on and nothing was happening to them. They were being used to teach people what to do to people that were going through something when they were living. So yeah. I guess it's it was essentially to help, but at the same time... It's incredibly morbid and dark. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So you've got all this going on. Now you've got people freaking out a bit. They don't want their bodies to be stolen. And you've got families, like I mentioned, having these kind of vigils. One other thing that were, people created was a thing called a uh, mort safe. M-O-R-T safe. And a mort safe was sort of an iron cage mm. that went around the coffin once it had been buried and into the soil as well and kind of, I guess created a cage around the coffin within the soil and that was another way now there's you don't find many of them around they weren't a huge amount that were done um and of course 
quite a lot of money was needed. If you go to um, the big churchyard in Edinburgh, there's a few in there that you can see. Uh, and again, that was another way of making sure that the grave robbers couldn't either get in from the top or dig down and under and do it a different way. So there's a lot of stuff happening. And, and then people started to create in the churches these watch houses. Uh, and the watch houses would be to keep a lookout over the graveyard at night uh, to try and stop the grave robbing. Mm. It is thought that we maybe get the phrase graveyard shift from here. Mm. There's a little bit of, you know, we don't quite know, but the graveyard shift uh, possibly comes from people. I mean, frankly, if I saw people trying to dig corpses out of the ground, I'm not sure I'd hang around to tell them off. I think no, I'd leg it. But... I'd be like, God, you know, what are yeah. these... What's what's the mentality? What's the personality absolutely. of these people? Well, I think I'll just shut the door and pretend I didn't see anything. Yeah, absolutely. Make just yep. a cup of tea. Well, no, I didn't <laughs> see anything. Off I go. <laughs> There's a, a watch house, or uh, you know, a former watch house in uh, Rotherhive. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's now a little coffee shop. I know the one. I've just yeah. remembered where it yeah, is. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. right opposite St Mary's. Yeah. And also. St Sepulchre is it? Sepulchre. St Sepulchre, yeah. There's one at St Sepulchre's which is in Smithfield. Yeah. Uh, and admittedly, the watch house there was destroyed and then rebuilt, but still, you know, same mm. thing, um, essentially. Now, if you think that this is happening, so they, they're digging bodies up, and what's going to happen is that you will take those bodies to somewhere like a pub. That sounds a really weird thing to do, but there were certain pubs and, and maybe some halls and things as well that were set up in back rooms to have wooden benches, sort of, I guess, waist height around the room, onto which the bodies would be laid and the doctors would come in and check them for freshness, see what they wanted, and then take the ones that they wanted and pay for them that way. Um, I know, it's quite, it's quite macabre, isn't it? It is. It is quite sad to think that these people that have just been buried, uh, you know, have no say to this at all. This is just yeah. happening to them. And this the, these are people that aren't necessarily have done anything in terms of crime. They are oh, just no. people that have died from natural causes and are being used in this way. Absolutely. And a lot, I think a lot of people imagine that the bodies would be dug up from a graveyard, brought to a nearby pub, sold on to the nearby hospital. It's not necessarily true because what you would find is that if you imagine, it's not, okay, it's not legal, right? Uh, but it's a misdemeanor. It's not not the biggest crime, bizarrely. And most of the doctors aren't going to ask too many questions because they need these bodies. They need things to practice on. Mm. So if a body, you know, they come across your your, your the desk or the place you're going to uh, to go and um, buy them, it's fine. You know, you go and you buy them. However, slightly different if the body that you operated on two days ago and was then buried and then pops up on your on your table again and you recognise that person, there's no chance there that you can claim ignorance and that you aren't going to try, you know, you aren't going to have to say something. So often you would find that these grave diggers or grave robbers, they would dig up the bodies and they would then move them across town to a different hospital so oh. that you don't run that risk of, of knocking into a doctor who might have then operated on that patient. Yes. Yeah. So it's quite, there's quite a lot of thinking that goes into it. Quite a lot of effort. Definitely. Yeah. I just like uh, the fact that they're, they're shown off in a pub. It reminds me a bit of, you know, the dodgy DVD guy <laughs> that used to come in and you used to kind of look at the DVDs and wonder if they were going to be any good and open up the case and have a good look at the disc. Like the, yeah. the idea yeah. that there, there's these bodies kind of just here in the pub while, yeah. you know, there's beer on tap. It's just very strange. 
Yeah, it is weird. And there's one pub particularly called The Fortune of War in uh, Smithfield, which doesn't exist as a pub any longer. Um, but there is still one uh, whose name is The Rising Sun. There we go. And um, they don't, I don't think they still have that room set up the way it would have been, but they do still have a little alleyway down the back, which is where the bodies would be surreptitiously taken out the back and then taken over to the hospital. So, you know, the, these places, some of these places do still exist, even if not quite the same way that they would have been at the time. But the demand for these bodies gets ever greater and the burkers or the resurrectionists, they get ever greedier and, and they're getting more and more money for them. Uh, the doctors are paying higher and higher prices to get these uh, bodies. And so the fresher ones do a lot better. Now, in Edinburgh, there were uh, there was a very infamous duo in the 1920s called Burke and Hare. Have you heard of them before? There is actually a film that Simon Pegg was in um, about Burke and Hare. There's a pub called Burke and Hare as well, I think. Probably, almost certainly. And this is where we get the word burkers from. So they oh. ran a pretty lucrative trade in uh, corpses to the local uh, school of medicine, the Edinburgh College of Medicine. And they decided that they were going to take matters into their own hands. And instead of robbing graves, they resorted to murder. <gasps> oh, they just got them as fresh as they possibly can be. Oh, yeah. Let's not cover them in any earth. Let's just nope. do them on the street. <gasps> and you say let's not cover them in any earth. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. So they got caught fairly, obviously, as you might imagine. And in 1828, uh, the, I mean, the public were up in arms about this because, of course, <laughs> the public, when they're alive, are kind of like, OK, well, I'm alive. I'm not subject to that. And now suddenly you being alive might be the exact target that they're after. So they they are um, arrested and executed, I believe. But we have the same thing down in London and they are called the London Burkers. Very oh. creative. Um, after Burke and Hare, and this is where yeah, we get yeah. the name Burkers from. And there were three men. Uh, their names are brilliant. So firstly, Thomas Williams, totally normal. Yeah. And then John Bishop and James May. Now, those who are based in the UK oh, will know the name John Bishop as a comedian. Comedians, yeah. And James May as a member of the cast from Top Gear. Not the <laughs> same guys, but still, I always find it quite funny. And they decided they were going to do the same thing. They were going to start murdering in order to get fresh bodies and they started selling corpses regularly to some of the biggest hospitals in london uh king's college uh guys st bart's st thomas's they were doing a roaring roaring trade but that thing that you said about not actually having buried that body this is what undoes them so there's a chap at king's college who he they, they, these guys have come to them and they've said that we're trying to sell the body of this a 15 year old uh, boy he was known as the oh. Italian boy I know um, and there's this, this guy at King's College who goes right I, I can see this this kid has never been buried uh, so I don't know where you're What's getting this on? from and he tells yeah. his boss his boss tells the local authorities and they are arrested now when the police raid their home they find clothing from several victims in there Oh, um, they, um, John Bishop and Thomas Williams admit to murdering the boy in a well, as well as at least two other victims. Um, James May, they actually say, oh, he doesn't know anything about it. And they, they let him off eventually. And when they're arrested, John Bishop admits to selling up to a thousand bodies in total. Oh, no. 
We don't know how many of those were murdered uh, by him and his his gang, or how many they actually just just grave robbed. I say just, you know, stole from their graves. We don't know. Um, but he says he is he's sold up to about a thousand. So if you think that he's earning, I mean, a couple of hundred quid for a body in this today's terms, this is yeah, yeah, he's coining it in. Now this is where it gets kind of hilarious because what happens is they are convicted they are then hanged at newgate and guess what because they are murderers <gasps> their, their bodies, bodies yes, yes they end up payback, getting baby payback they end up getting <laughs> um their bodies are used at i'm not sure which college uh, but one of the london uh, medical colleges and then um their remains of their bodies then go on show to the public as well and when they were oh. hanged at newgate thirty thousand people supposedly came to see them be executed this has to be a film is this a film if it is i'm not aware of it oh my god the london burkers it needs to be a film i mean it's really quite unbelievable so they are hanged in 1831 mm. and in 1832 we get the anatomy act and this is then a legal source of bodies. So in 1832, this act comes in and, and you can imagine that between Burke and Hare and the, uh, the London Burkers, that there's, uh, there's quite an appetite from the public for a new law or some description. Um, the Royal College of Surgeons, are, have, they've, there's been a, a bit of an attempt to pass a law to stop all of these you know, the kind of, well, the people wanted to murder to... to be able to sell bodies and it hasn't really worked the royal college of surgeons uh, don't really want to change anything because they're they've got quite a good thing going here and eventually um after a bit of pushing the mps managed to pass an act in 1832 and this gives surgeons and the people who are uh, preparing the bodies and studying legal access to any bodies that were unclaimed two days after they died from workhouses hospitals and prisons so that meant that uh, you, at this point, you know, if you think about the workhouses, there are so many people who go in there who have mm. no next of kin. No one is mm. going to be uh, claiming their body. So at that point, they can then be claimed for uh, medical use. God, and it two also, days isn't a lot, though, is it? 48 hours? It's not a lot. It's not a lot, especially when you consider some people would have gone in these places, particularly hospitals. Mm. Um, you know, people were banged up for, let's say... In, in um, quotation marks being mad and you know, the hospitals might not have communicated to their yeah, nearest and dearest can, that, yeah. anyway whatever um, but it also becomes possible that you can donate your next of kin's body uh, so before it used to be that you could say oh, I'm fine for my body to go but now you can donate your next of kin's body um, when they die oh. as well um, for medical study and so that is sort of where it all comes in to, to be able to turn the tide so for a good kind of 50 40 50 years body snatching is a big deal a massively lucrative business and as you can see leads to quite a lot of uh of dodgy issues so there we go that is a little bit of a, a snippet of body snatching oh, in God, london well, you certainly snatched my attention <laughs> <laughs> that is it's just wild isn't it yeah because there must have been so much activity yeah especially if you were living by a cemetery it would have just been bonkers at night. You probably wouldn't have been able to get any sleep because you'd hear, mm. and like, 
<laughs> that was the sound. I love how you animate all these stories. I love how you bring them to life. Bless you. Well, just like all the rope and the banging and the the, the top of the coffin and oh, yeah. make sure you keep the shroud. It probably would have been quite noisy, wouldn't it? It would have been, yeah. Especially if, God, what did they say? It was, what did they, how many bodies one night did you say? Was 13. It 13. And that was just one gang. One so other gangs would have been around London doing other things. God, but yeah, 13, that one gang. exhausted. <laughs> poor, poor dears they need to sit down oh, gosh the earth under their nails <laughs> i know right um it's unbelievable but wow how it's just yeah what an amazing thing oh, you <laughs> know an amazing on, thing, but just even though it is so it is quite a, a kind of gory story it's yeah. it was also incredibly important because it meant that medical advances were allowed were able to be to happen um and if it hadn't happened it you know the law of being able to um sort of give your body to science or or to be a, a for surgeons to have access to other bodies might not have happened well i'm sure it would have happened at some point but definitely not as quickly and therefore medically we would have probably been a good few paces behind where we where we are now or where we were in the you know early 1900s gosh yes there's a house not too far from me you might know it's william gatskill's house it's got a I do not red door and apparently there is a tunnel underneath this house which leads to the river thames which is Ooh. just you know a couple of steps behind the house itself and apparently people would wait along the thames uh, for a body to wash up which apparently happened how many times can i say apparently um <laughs> happened so allegedly <laughs> allegedly um that they would take these bodies these washed up bodies especially because opposite you had whopping where so many people were mm. were uh hung. executed yeah um and then they would use them or give them to the surgeons really? yeah they wouldn't be probably the best or the freshest because they're going to be a little no. bit bloated, but... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I take true. what you can get, mate. Take what you can take get. Take what you can get. <laughs> wow. Alex, thank you so much for <laughs> bringing me what I love. The gothy stories. The bit of blood and gore. Yeah. 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 It's it's interesting to think about it, isn't it? It mm. might not be the nicest story in the world, but I, find, I actually find it fascinating. And a li in a way, I find it a little bit comical. I don't know why I find it comical, but I think this idea of... I guess it's that sort of weekend at Bernie's thing, isn't it? Of yes. like lumping these bodies around and 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 it was all being a little bit kind of Benny Hill in style of yeah, everyone chasing around gentle. and dumping bodies and and there's probably someone new in the gang and they're going oh god I'm a little bit worried about Stephen and Stephen's <laughs> at the end like grabbing the feet no not the feet first oh for god's sake <laughs> I'm just being like I oh, love it's these just... stories that you make you make me so happy. <laughs> pulled off an arm oh we're gonna have to put him back now <laughs> that was a waste of an hour and 45 minutes podcast pedestal um yeah. oh well i'll tell you what i know exactly what i want to go from a podcast pedestal but it's your okay actually, it's, it's my pick your, isn't it it's your pick first well whatever you're gonna pick is gonna be the winning one again oh. <laughs> um so oh i think i'm gonna go i i kind of because i talk about them quite a lot and i find it a fascinating story i'm gonna to have to go for john bishop james may and thomas williams the london burkers mm. and mm. they oh she's not going for that she's going for someone else i am uh, going for something else but i think it's a you know it's a fantastic and then you know them sort of basically pick. taking it one step too far and yeah. just deciding to go for the murdering um, i mean at least throw a little bit of earth on their head to make it look like they've been buried <laughs> come on lads i mean 
mad, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. so that's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for the London burkers. These, uh, uh, yeah, I suppose sort of brave. I just brave the right word. Not really brave, but brazen. Um, brazen, I think. Yeah, brazen's the best word. Uh, brazen, but kind of comical. Yeah, guys who sort a little of, bit slapsticky. It is a bit slapsticky, isn't it? I think that's what I find rather entertaining about it. So yeah. I'm going to go for them, the three, the three London burgers. Nice. Go on, then. What are you going to go for? What's the winning answer? <laughs> well, I am tempted by the comment from Naples. Um, oh yeah, but I think I'm actually going to go for, and you have to remind me what they're called. But the cages that are created around the grave, a mort safe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for that because I think. Mm. You know, a grave should be something, or you think now, uh, to celebrate somebody's life and something to look quite um, quite beautiful in a way, yeah. or at least something that you want to sit by and reflect. And to have this kind of cage over the top of it just takes all of that feeling away. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that. Yeah. Okay. Fab. So those are your options this week, listeners. It's the Mort Safe, the uh, the kind of safety cage, or it's the London Burkers, the cheeky devils who. Uh, I mean, Cheeky Devils makes them sound a bit, you know, a bit funny. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. but I know what you mean. Were, There's something about yeah. it. And I think because it's John Bishop and James, James May as May. well, I'm just yeah. picturing them in particular I doing know. it. <laughs> uh, so that's what I'm going to go for. Those are your options for this week. Hurrah. Fantastic. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. The Wheel of Destiny. Right. Podcast pedestal. No, we've done that. <laughs> What else are we doing? We're doing the wheel, darling. And I have it's to say, because I put up a little uh, a little reel showcasing the wheel. Yeah. And um, people were just so excited to see it. <laughs> and so many people thought that it wasn't real. That's so amazing. It is. It, it is real. Is. It is. Yeah, you see. Um, you doubted us. Right. I'm just going to, as always, just spin it. Right. Go for it. Voxel. Oh, that's a new one. Yes, it is a new one. And to that's be honest, I, I actually did put this on with something in mind straight away that I'd like to do in Voxel. So okay, nightclubs. Some, some yeah. drag shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what? That would be a good episode. But yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm actually going to go for something which could be, you know, leaning towards that. I mean, especially on the party front. I'm going to talk about pleasure gardens. Oh, a classic around there. Classic, yeah. yeah. The source. The source of the pleasure gardens. Fabulous. <laughs> All kinds of pleasure. We're going from uh, from murder and gore to pleasure next week, gang. This week, so we've mixed it up. I've done the gory and Emily's now doing the sexy. Yeah. Gosh, the tables <laughs> have turned. Amazing. <laughs> I look go. forward to that because I, I don't know that much about the pleasure gardens. It's something I've always thought, oh, I should definitely look into those a bit more. I just never have. So, uh, Brilliant. There we go. Let's do it. Cool. Wonderful. Well, we will see you all next week. Lovely people. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again this week. We're really Thank thrilled to have you along. And don't forget to go and vote on Sunday. And we will see you next week. Absolutely. And congratulations again to our competition winners. Yay! You will receive your bunnies. I'll be in touch with you or Alex will be in touch with you. One of us will be in touch with you. Tell <laughs> that we've eaten the chocolate and you're not getting it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but well done. Well done. Take care, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.